is truly worthy of all of our praise. We talked about it last Wednesday, but we want to set our minds with praise before we even get started tonight. So let's do that right now. Jesus, we thank you, God. We give you glory and honor for all that you have done. God, you are truly worthy of all the honor and all the praise that we can give you. We invite you into this place tonight. God, we lift you up. We set our minds upon you. We want you to have your way in this place. And God, we want to give you, God, all the glory and the honor that you deserve. Lord, help us to lift you up, not just with our mouth, but from our heart. And God, we want you to have your way in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, we worship you, God. We thank you for another day. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. For the air that we breathe. We thank you for our help. We thank you, God, for providing for us. We give you glory and honor tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. He is our King forever. Our God, our foundation, our rock, the only solid ground. The nations rise and fall.
So Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And then if you flip over to Philippians chapter 4. Verses 6 through 9. We will read that together. It says, be anxious for nothing. In the New American Standard Bible, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then verse 8 says, finally, brethren, whatsoever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise dwell on these things. Man, that's so powerful. And I know you've heard it so many times that it probably doesn't even seem to uh, ring in your ears anymore, but the things it says, you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and he says, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Yeah. Amen? The God of peace Amen. shall be with you. So we're talking about having peace of mind because it's what a lot of people in our society are needing right now. Paul knew that this was going to be an issue. And he was trying to help the church 
understand that the battles that we face are most of the time they're either won or lost in our minds, right? If you haven't already checked out, check them out. You can get the interactive notes through the e-bulletin. You can uh, just text connect. Uh, you can text uh, I don't know love or something. I can't remember what you text. Text something to five zero two two hundred eight four two five. Yeah, text something. Yeah, I think it's connect. It's connect. Give. Text give. No, that's that's for the offering. He's trying to get you to give the offering. Connect. Okay, so there you go. You can text connect and you'll get the, the link for the e-connect card. And then from there, you can just click on the interactive notes for tonight. Just mention that. Forgot to mention that. But most of the battles that we fight, almost all the battles that we fight, Paul wanted the church to understand they are either won or lost in your mind. Everybody say, in my mind. In my mind. Amen. You cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. It's, it's just impossible. You, you can't do it. And for those of you that are wondering what Kendall's doing, just, Kendall, just, she's just being a part of the service. Just let her be a part of the service. I said it Sunday. I'd rather have all of you here in here. I'd rather have Kendall in here than not here. So I'm glad. All right. yeah. It doesn't bother me at all. I'm glad that she's here tonight. And I'm glad she wants to be at the altar. I wish more people would. But... Let's see where you guys are with this tonight, okay? Do you have runaway thoughts? Any of you have runaway thoughts? Okay. How about irrational worries? Okay, only a couple of you. The rest of you are pointer people. Do, do you have certain events that trigger fear and anxiety in you? Okay. I want you to do this right now, okay? And I, I know you may or may not have paper, but I, if you don't have paper, if you would just take just a moment and get out your, your phone, and I want you to make a note, because if you don't do this, it's just going to be like, oh yeah, I know he was talking about this. I want you to make a note, either actually print it out or write it out or type it into your phone right now. I want you to at least write down two of your biggest worries right now. Two of your biggest worries right now. They may be, it may be one word, it may be a sentence, but I want you to take just a moment. Let's do a, an actual, like, interactive exercise, and I want you to put down your two biggest worries right now. If, if God was here and he was probing into your brain to see what your biggest worries are, what would they be? So be truthful, because I'm not going to look at them. But be truthful. Be truthful and honest with yourself about this. What are your two biggest worries right now? Are you worried about mass shootings, about health care, about crime and violence, the moral decline of America? Are you worried about having the right job, finding the perfect spouse, some people, uh, when you'll start a family? If you're a student, maybe you're worried about you know, your grades this fall, finishing your education, uh, you know, and, and then it compounds and you, you're worried about you know, the different things going on all around you, STDs, methamphetamines. Uh, some of you are parents are worried about not being a good enough mom or dad or uh, you know, not being able to provide for care for your family. Some of you with your finances, you have financial worries. Uh, a couple years ago, we got hit with braces. Uh, those are, you know, it's like, wow, I didn't know. It was like an unexpected car I had to buy. Um, but, you know, you, you, you get hit with some of these things, and you wonder, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to pay for clothes for growing young men? And um, 
plan activity. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, I have a son that's grown literally about four inches in the last two months. And if you think I'm exaggerating, just look at some pictures. I'm not. Um, and, you know, some of you are worried about uh, these activities that you have planned. How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? How's you're going to have a car that works, college tuition, weddings to pay for. You're, you just, you know, and if you just sit just for a couple minutes, man, you can come up with like a whole handful of worries. And, and you feel like, man, I can't keep up and I'm tired all the time. And, and is this just a headache or do I have brain cancer? Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So, yeah, exactly. Some of you are like, oh, man, how did you know that? And I know for some of you, it probably seems like, oh, pastor, you're just really over-exaggerating again. Well, some of you think that way. Others of you are like, you left a lot of stuff off that list, pastor. There's other stuff that I'm worried about. So let's talk about worry and let's talk about how you can have peace of mind. Do you know that the Bible gives us a formula for how we can have peace of mind? Your life, I want you to get this, your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Look at your neighbor and tell them, so your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. This is a good thing, right? If you have your mind set on God and you have your mind set on things above, it's going to be pulling you in the right direction. But it's not so good if your mind gets focused on other things. Right. Anytime you're afraid, anytime you're anxious, anytime you're worried, it really compounds the issues at hand. We have this little almond-shaped portion in our brain. And some of you, you know, you know this, you've studied a little bit of anatomy and you know a little bit about the brain. We have it. It's called the amygdala. Anybody ever heard of the amygdala? Raise your hand if you've heard the amygdala. Okay, good. Those of you that don't, it's see that little green almond-shaped thing right there? That, that's the amygdala. Okay, so the amygdala uh, is basically when, whenever you are afraid, whenever uh, you feel fear, your amygdala is, is really fully active. It's like... And so when you feel fear, when, you, when you're afraid, your amygdala it kicks in. And the amygdala is the helpful part of our brain that is wired for our survival. If you didn't have an amygdala, you wouldn't be afraid of anything. And so you, you would do some really dumb stuff that could kill you, right? It's the part of our brain that's responsible for fear. When your brain senses danger, your amygdala kicks in and, and it sends real strong, uh, it sends your, your body real strong doses of adrenaline. And, and it gets your, your senses heightened so you're ready to, to take on whatever it is. Kind of like when you see a snake, you know, anybody, did you know there's four poisonous venomous snakes? My wife is not looking forward to this part. She knew it was coming. <laughs> there are four venomous snakes in Kentucky. This one is the pygmy rattlesnake. It's only found in three counties though, so don't stress out too much about that. You will probably not ever see it because they're not even around here in Kentucky, but that's one of the, the four. Let's look at the next one. That is... The timber rattler. The timber rattler you will find uh, around here in wooded areas. Then there's the copperhead. Some of you already knew what it was. That's the third venomous snake that you'll find in Kentucky. And copperheads 
are, are usually found around woodsy areas, but they're usually lying under the wood or they're lying in like what you see, dried leaves, and they blend in really good. Copperheads are, are not fun. Uh, they are a beautiful snake if you like, you know, uh, camouflage. They're a beautiful snake. Uh, but then the fourth type of venomous snake, it's not really a thing, Pastor, we're going to have really great dreams tonight, is the cottonmouth. How many of you have ever heard of a cottonmouth? That's the fourth venomous snake. So these are the four that you will spot the most in Kentucky. Now, I was telling Brother Cooper what I was talking about tonight when he said, did you know, Pastor, well, I was an EMT for Hardin County uh, a few years ago, several years ago. You can actually uh, look this up. They had two venomous snake bites in Hardin County, 14 minutes apart. This was several years ago. Now, both of the people lived. They both got uh, attention, uh, medical attention quickly. And, and most of these snakes are not lethal. So if you do get bit, you just get medical attention immediately. Uh, that, that's just obviously, you know, goes without saying, but, um, these, these snakes can be lethal if you don't get medical attention quickly. So, so you don't, you know, in our brain, it doesn't matter if it's a garden snake, right? Or, or if, let's, let's be honest, or if it's a black rubber hose, or just a dirty garden hose. You're just like, no, that looks like a snake. Um, my, I'm going to tell it, Donna, okay? I'm just going to tell it. So my mother-in-law came to see me and Kathy one time when we were at Indiana Bible College. And in the, the guy's dorm, we were always playing pranks and jokes. Well, we got this very real-looking rubber snake. And it looks like it's like ready to, you know, just snap at you, just gonna just get you. And so we took that rubber snake, me and Kathy did. Well, I did. She did. She's not taking any credit. But one time when when Sister Bond came to visit us, before she went back, I snuck it into the driver's floorboard. And so she got in the car, closed the door, and we're waving at her, you know, waving, just watching her. And I'm telling you, she came up off of that seat. When she looked at us, she came up off that seat. She was about to kill us. And it was, it was awesome. But that's, that's what happens when, you're, when your brain, when the amygdala sees snake, it thinks, run. Like, that's, that's smart, right? That's the amygdala. How about when you're driving down the road and the guy next to you is texting and he, and he swerves into your lane because he's texting? Right? So you're like, you, you're, you're thinking, I've got to get out of this guy's way because he is not paying any attention. And some of you, your amygdala kicks in. Not only are you afraid, but that, that fear turns into anger. You start blasting your horn. You start giving him what for. That's right. He can't hear you anyways. Um, or, you know, maybe if like you're at night, you know, and... and Anybody, you know, you lay in bed at night and things get real quiet and then you hear a noise, you know, and you're like, I got to get out of here. I'm about to die. Where's the closest window? Where's the closest door? You know, and, and Ray Stevens used to say, if there, you know, he said, there's no door. And he said, just wait, there will be in a minute because he just, and he's out, you know, and he goes right through the wall. Uh, but, but some of us, that's our, that's our thinking. Like, you know, we hear a noise in the night and we're like, oh no, we're going to die. That's, and then we're like, oh yeah, we didn't put the cat away or something. You know, so you're like thinking, 
What could that noise be? So when your brain senses danger, the amygdala kicks in and it sends that adrenaline so that you're ready to react. But the problem is, for all of us, is that our amygdala is not objective. It's not objective. It is hardwired to protect. And so what happens is the amygdala actually needs help from our prefrontal cortex. And some of you are like, Pastor, we do not come here for anatomy. I got you. The prefrontal cortex, and they're going to put a picture of it up, but the prefrontal cortex is the logical part of our brain. It's, it's located here in the front. That's why it's the prefrontal cortex. But it's the logical part of our brain. So if you hear a noise at night, you know, and your, your amygdala is like, you're going to die, your prefrontal cortex says, no, you're not going to die. You just left whatever it was on the edge and it fell off and that's what you're hearing. Or, you know, the wind is blowing through, you know, and, and causing extra noise. It's, it's making, trying to make sense and help your amygdala calm down. So without a prefrontal cortex, the amygdala responds according to its pre-programming. So if you didn't have a prefrontal cortex... Every little thing would be like, I'm going to die! <laughs> Every action of somebody in this world towards us would be a threat to me or to my children or, or, or to my being in control. If I didn't have any control of my amygdala, I would be afraid all the time. One of the greatest problems in our society right now is that they are not able to engage their prefrontal cortex. The media is working hard on your amygdala. She's, she's good. She's just trying to check it out. But we are allowing fear, amen? Our society right now is allowing fear and emotion to run everything that we do. So that's why we need peace of mind. Do you know, if you read your Bible, Jesus did not say, let your hearts be troubled. That's not what Jesus said. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Right? And then the angel didn't say, glory to God in the highest stress and anxiety on earth. <laughs> the angel didn't say that. He said, peace on earth. And Paul didn't say, be anxious about everything. We've got to understand this, right? Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds, your minds in Christ Jesus. That means whenever I've got a test, Whenever I'm faced with a job interview, whenever I'm thinking about who my future spouse is, or if you're a parent, who the future spouse of my children are going to be. When you start thinking about financial burdens, or you start thinking about a battle that you have with addiction or marital challenges that you may be dealing with right now, and your amygdala is like, hey, wait a second, you're going to die, this is going to be bad, it's never going to turn out. You, you know what? You've got a formula. And I've heard people say, you know what? All we can do now is pray. All we can do now is pray. Why is that our last option, folks? <laughs> like, why do we wait until it's so bad to pray? 
It should be our first option. We should be like, hey, you know what we can do about this? We can pray. Because prayer is powerful. The scripture tells us we can boldly go before the throne of grace. Not only does, does prayer move the heart of God, but prayer changes the chemistry in your brain. A few decades ago, neurologists believed that the brain did not change after adolescence. They, they thought that it was just, it, once you know you were an adolescent, it never changed, but that's not true. Actually, there is something now called neuroplasticity. And what we have learned is that our brain is continually changing. We've learned that how we think changes our brain. There's another uh, big word that you can chew on for a minute. It's called neurotheology. It's also known as spiritual neuroscience. And studies have shown the relationship between the brain and our belief in God. And what they have found is that prayer changes our brain. I, 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 there's some studies. One is done by Dr. Caroline Leaf. She is the author of Switch on Your Brain. And this is what she found. She said it has been found that 12 minutes, if I say 12 minutes, 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. I know some of you, you just, I, I've lost you. But think about that. 12 minutes a day for eight weeks can change your brain to the place that they could notice a change on your brain scan. They do a scan, you pray 12 minutes a day for eight weeks, and then all of a sudden they do another scan and there's a change in your brain scan. So just as toxic and negative thoughts hurt your brain, Pre-programming us for unhealthy thinking and even unhealthier living. Prayer heals. Prayer renews the mind. Romans chapter 12 says, do not be conformed to the patterns, right? To the thought processes or to the ways of this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transform. Transform means to be made different. How is it possible? How can you be transformed? How can you go from one to the other? How can you, 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 you be negative and then become positive, right? How can you be broken and then become healed? This is what, this is what the scripture says. Don't be conformed to the wrong patterns, the wrong ways, the sinful thinking of this world. But be transformed or be made different by the, the scripture says, by the renewing. Everybody say the renewing. Renewing of your mind. God's word renews your mind. Right? God's word renews your mind. Prayer transforms your thinking about God. About reality and about what is and what is not possible. So let me ask you this. Why do we worry? Why do we panic? Why do we allow anxiety to reside in us, especially as Christians? Well, there's many different reasons. I think probably the easiest way to explain it, though, is what, uh, you know, we would call an amygdala hijack. Your brain tells you in the middle of the night that you have to prepare for the worst case scenario. Like it keeps you up at night. You can't even hardly sleep sometimes because you're thinking through all these scenarios. 
And if you don't, if you don't react, if you don't do something now, what are you going to do? Because if you don't do something, the worst is going to happen to you. It's going to happen to your family. It's going to. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So neuroscience would tell you that it's an amygdala hijack. But what Paul says is that your mind is dominated by sinful thinking. That's what Paul says. So I, I realize that there is a medical term for it, an amygdala hijack. But there's also a scriptural term for it, and it's sinful thinking. So let me ask you this. What is worry? What is worry? If you were to look up worry, what would you find? You would find worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. We used to sing a song that said, why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus. He'll lead the way. You don't sing that very much anymore. Because people like to worry and pray. <laughs> worry is saying, God, I don't believe that you're good enough to take care of this. I better take care of it without you. Let, let, let me handle it. Let me, let me handle it. God, I just, I just don't know that I can trust you with this. As if he were like our kid or something. Right? You tell your kid to do something, they're not doing it right, and so you're like, uh, excuse me. Paul gives instructions here for how to deal with this hijack. And so instead of letting my sinful, my sinful nature control my mind, I choose to let my brain, everybody say, I choose. I choose. I choose to let my brain choose the truth. I have to make a choice to let my brain choose the truth that the Spirit will direct me to think. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't have to have all the answers. I know the one who has all the answers. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 in the New Living Translation. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. This is why, folks, we need to take every thought captive. We, we've got to bring every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Amen. So if there's a thought that we have, well, I had this thought the other day, right? Anybody ever heard it? Well, I had this thought. I've been thinking. When your wife says, I've been thinking, it's probably going to cost you money. <laughs> but here's the deal. If you have a thought, but your thought is not consistent with the word of God, then you have to take that thought captive. If you're having a thought and your thought is like against what the word of God says, then you have to bring that thought back into captivity. And you have to make it obey and you have to make it follow what the word of God says. That's obedience to Christ. So whenever I think, well, it's okay, this is okay, I think this would be okay. If it goes against the word of God, that thought is not captive to the obedience of Christ. So I have to... I have to Lasso that thought and I have to capture it and I have to bring it back and say, no, 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 but the word of God says. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not popular, but it's right. right. Amen. Um, when we choose the word of God, your prefrontal cortex chooses the word of God. What we're allowing is we're allowing the spirit of God to lead us in our thinking. When you make the conscious choice. And the decision in your mind, I will choose the word of God over my own feelings, over my own 
thoughts, over my own desires, the Spirit of God is not going to go against the Word of God. So if somebody says, well, I have the Holy Ghost and I feel like God told me to do this, but it's not in line with the Word of God, it ain't the Holy Ghost. Amen? If it goes contrary to the Word of God, it's not right. So we have to bring that thought back into obedience. So our prefrontal cortex then grabs our amygdala, right? And it slams it and says, no, this is what the Word of God says. So every fear and every worry and every anxiety that we have, we, we can bring it to God. Some of you, you guys wrote your, your, your worries, right? Some of you, this is, let, let's just be honest, okay? We all, can you all see this okay? Everybody see this okay? I, I hope I'm not moving to where you can't see it, but let, let's just talk about this for a second. So for many of you, you have your worries. And you come to church and pastor says, hey, you know what you need to do? Commit everything to God in prayer. Take all your worries and give them to God. We, we used to say, leave your burdens at the altar, right? right. Take, take your worries and, and give them to God. And some of you, if you're like me, you're like, yes, yes. And you're like, you know, I'm slam dunking those worries. God, you've got this. God, you've got this. God, you've, you've got this. Right? But let's be honest. That's what we're doing. You know, on Sunday, woo! God is giving that worries to God. But then on Monday, are you sure? I don't know, God. I don't know if I can trust you. Maybe I should just let me let me take this. Let me take this over for you, God. I think I got this. And then we wonder why we, we live so defeated and we can't sleep at night and we're always. We're always fearful, afraid, and worried about what's going to happen next. Here's the deal. Part of us knows that God is able. But we are not taking our thoughts and bringing them into captivity through prayer and saying, God, I trust you with this. I trust you with this. Here, here's the deal. Some of you, what you need to do is you need to realize that your worries are bigger than your God. You need to flip that around and understand that your God is bigger than any of your worries. Amen? You need to understand that you've got a bigger God than any worries, any problem, any situation that you could have. And once you realize that, once you get your mind set, woo, it changes everything. Some of you, what you need to do, let's just be honest, what you need to do, some of y'all need to go get a box. You need to get a box. Let's be honest. You need to get a box. It doesn't have to be as cool as mine, which has been worked on today for me. It doesn't, you don't even have to make it that cool. You can get a shoe box. You can get a tissue box. I don't care what you get. This is what you need to do. You need to make yourself a prayer box. And then what you need to do is every worry that you have, the ones that you just wrote out, you need to write them out on a piece of paper. And you need to, in prayer, you need to say, God, I give you this worry. I give you this fear. I give you this anxiety. And I'm not done. And then, whenever you're tempted, in the middle of the night, 
to start worrying about it again, you have to make yourself get out of bed and go get it out of the God box and put it back into the worry box. Make yourself do it physically. Why? Because it's showing you what's actually happening. Are you going to leave it in the God box? Or are you going to put it back in your worry box? Some of you say, oh, Pastor, that's just silly. I don't need to do that. Really? Some of y'all need that. You need a prayer box. You need to have a place where you can commit. Because eventually what needs to happen is you need to just keep emptying the worries into the God box, right? And then eventually, if you keep doing it, guess what's going to happen? You're actually going to be able to put your whole life. You can put your whole life. And I know some of you are like, oh, Pastor, that sounds good. That's good church speak right there. But, but you're not living in the real world like the rest of us. Okay. All right. This, this, is, this is not just a challenge for you. It's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for me to put my life, my worries, my fears in God. Because for some of you, you might be thinking, well, if I put my whole life in God's hands, that's just a cliche. And that's being lazy and irresponsible. I, I've got to take charge and I've got to do something. It's not irresponsibility. It's not living in denial. It's, do you want peace of mind or not? If you fix everything, if you can take care of everything, you, you don't need God. But for most of us, we can't. And we need to just admit, we can't handle this. We can't deal with it by ourselves. We need a God box. We need a, come on somebody, we need to understand that God wants to answer and need our needs. And so we need a good strategy. Here's a good strategy. Everybody, you ready? It's really simple. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to be apathetic. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do what I can do. There, there's some things that I can do, and I'm going to do what I can do, because I'm not helpless. God gave me a brain. He gave me talent and abilities and skills, and I'm, I'm going to do what I can do. But then when I come to something that I can't, I'm going to give God what I can't do. There's a lot of stuff I can't do. I can't fix this world. I can't fix people. I can't make people do the right thing. Amen. There, there's a lot of things that I could stress myself out about if I just started thinking about them. And I need to realize I can't do everything. If I, if I could do everything, I wouldn't need God. But I can't. I can't do everything. So I'm going to give God what I can't do. And then here's the third step of your strategy. I'm going to trust God no matter what. I'm going to do what I can do. Amen. I'm going to give God what I can't do. And I'm going to trust him no matter what. Job said it like this. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Amen. Doesn't matter. Things may look bad. Things may not look like they're going to work out, but I'm, I'm still going to trust him. Amen. You say, well, what will that do for me? Imagine, just for just a moment, we're about to close. Imagine having a true heart of peace. Imagine having a life that's full of joy and constantly having true peace of mind because you're totally trusting in God. Some of you are like, I don't know if that's possible. Well, it, it may not seem possible, but the more you try, the more you, 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 you give those worries to God, you give those fears, you give those anxieties to Him, it is a choice. Everybody say, it's not just possible. It's my choice. It is. It's your choice. If your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, ask yourself this question, do I like the direction my thoughts are taking me. 
Do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? Do, do you, I mean, and I, again, I'm not trying to make light of, of medication, but medication is not your answer, right? Medication is not going to solve everything. Some of you are you're, 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 you're like, Pastor, that's, that's true, but, you know, I, I, I got to take this. I, I'm not saying don't take your medication. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm trying to tell you is that's not your answer. Right. If you don't like the thoughts, the, the direction your thoughts are taking you, you have a choice. Amen. I'll be honest with you. There have been times in my life where I didn't like the way my thoughts were taking me. I've had seasons in my life where things were hard and I was tired and I couldn't keep up. And every day I was feeling overwhelmed. But if you don't control what you think, you'll never be able to control what you do. Right. Identify the truth. The truth, right? This is what the word says. The truth that will make you free from the bondage of fear and anxiety. You want to be free? You want to have peace of mind? It's really simple. It's a choice. You identify the truth. So if you're struggling with something, you're struggling with an issue or a problem or a principle, what do you need to do? Find that scripture. Find that truth. Find that principle in the word of God. That's your truth. That's your principle. That's your promise. Amen? Amen. And you get that, and then what, you, what are you going to do? You're going to write it. You're going to think it. You're going to speak it until you believe it. Amen. Oh, I passionate it doesn't take all that. Well, that's actually what the Scripture says. You write it. You think it. You speak it. And then you believe it. Pastor, I'm not sure exactly what you're saying. Uh, what are some things that you, you know, could be referencing? I, I, I would say these are some really simple ones. These are on the, the notes tonight. If you want to get them there, you can. But you can say things like every day. You can write things and, and, and speak these things and think on these things. Jesus is first in my life. Jesus is first in my life. That needs to be something that you say, say every day. You need to repeat that. Amen. Well, he's not really first in my life. Well, then you've got a problem. You keep saying that, you keep speaking it, amen, you keep thinking about it, Jesus is first in my life. My purpose is to serve and glorify Him alone. That's my purpose in life. Some people, they go through their whole life not knowing what their purpose is. My purpose is to serve Him, amen, to glorify Him, amen, to give Him the glory. Here's a good one for you, for those of you that are struggling. Jesus in me is stronger than my sinful desires. Jesus in me is stronger than my sinful desires. How about this one? I'm getting closer to Jesus every day. I'm getting closer to Jesus every day. Amen. I want that to, I want that to actually come true in my life. I want that to come true in my family's life. And so I say things like this. Because of Jesus, my family's getting closer. My body is stronger. My faith is deeper. And my brain is sharper. Amen. You gotta, come on. You, you can say these things. The word gives you the authority because these things are true. Amen. They're, they're, they're true. And, and when, you, when you start saying these things and you start believing these things, guess what? You're going to have peace of mind. Right. I am victorious because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. Amen. I place my words, my thoughts, and imaginations under the power of Jesus. I'm not a hostage to unhealthy thoughts. 
The weapons I fight with are not the weapons of this world. I have divine power to demolish strongholds. Amen. Worry is not my master. I trust in God alone. You can say things like God's peace guards my heart, it guards my mind, and it guards my soul in Christ Jesus. I'm not a slave to my habits. I'm, a, I'm not a prisoner to an addiction. I have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light. You, you've got to, come on, some of you, you've got you to realize this. You've got to see this. You're like, well, you know, that sounds good, and, and that sounds like a little bit of work. Well, it is going to be a little bit of work because your, your brain is trained to fear. Your brain is trained to worry, and we are ate up with sinful and carnal thinking. People say, how could all this stuff happen? How, how, why is this, why are people acting like this? They haven't been in church for 12 weeks. They haven't been worshiping. They've been sitting on their couch eating popcorn watching church. They've been entertained. What, what, why do you think people struggle so much? Because some of them didn't have a walk with God before. Now they really don't have a walk with God. They've been binge watching stuff for months. And we wonder why everybody's so sinful and carnal and hateful and intense and there's no spiritual outlet. There's no, there's no training of our mind. There's no focus of our mind. And so you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. Right. Some of us, let's just be honest, some of us, we need to stop interpreting God through circumstances. Stop interpreting God through circumstances. Start interpreting your circumstances through the goodness of God. You need to understand this and just accept this. There is a plan for God and he's allowing it in my life for a reason. I don't have to understand it all right now. There's a plan. And the one that I trust is in control and his plan is so much better than my plan. And lastly, as I'm closing, cover everything that you do in prayer. Everything. Well, Pastor, I don't know that I need to pray about everything. Why not? I pray. I, I need to pray. I got to pray. If I don't pray, I'll lose my sanity. I, I need to pray, and I think we need to pray more than ever before. We're, we're about to start some things here that we're, gonna, we're either going to have parking lot prayer, or we're going to have a prayer wall, or we're going to even come in the sanctuary and have prayer meeting again. Why? Because that's the only way we break some of this stuff down. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. I, I don't know if, if maybe maybe you're okay, maybe you're fine, maybe there's no big deal right now, but you're gonna there's gonna be a day that comes, and you're gonna need peace of mind more than anything. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. And you say, what, what do you mean don't believe the lie? Anything that is not consistent with God's word. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that would make your worries bigger than your God. Anything. But, but you don't understand the situation. No, no, no. You don't understand how big my God is. You've got to train your mind. You know? 
and bring it in prayer to God. And so what we do when we do that and we understand we take God's word and we, we put it in our lives and we embrace truth, Jesus said what? I am way the truth and the life. So Jesus is the truth. His word is truth. His ways are truth. And you know what the scripture says about truth? The truth will make you free. Some of you that are in bondage in your mind right now, and you wonder how can I have freedom from fear, from anxiety, from worry, the truth. I, I just I got to tell you the truth. The truth can make you free. So if you're, if you're dealing with lies, if you're dealing with falsehoods, if you're letting all kinds of things cloud your mind and cause you to worry, embrace truth. And the truth will make you free. Would you stand with me? Amen. I want to be free. I want to have peace of mind. I, I don't want to, to move forward in this, this kind of culture, this kind of atmosphere, without the peace of God guarding my heart and my mind. Amen. I want you just right now, I want, to, I want us just to all, if you would, just close your eyes and I want you just to lift up your hands and I, I want you to say, God, I want to turn it all over to you right now. Every fear, every anxiety, every worry. God, help me to cover uh, this, this life and this uh, world that I'm living in in prayer, God. And my family and my church and my community, God. Help me to bring all my worries and fears and anxieties. The scripture says that we can cast our cares upon you because you care about us. And so, God, right now, even before we leave this place tonight, God, we lift up our hands and our hearts to you. And we lift up our voices, God, acknowledging that we need you more than ever before. And we want you, God, to help us deal with our fear, our worry and anxiety. And we want you to bring peace and guard our hearts and our minds as we embrace your truth. And you will make us free. And God, as you set us free, we will be free indeed. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. And God, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to live with your peace that will guard our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.